And that fear of not being good enough or what if people laugh at me or what if I fail can can limit us or it can be a spur to say, well, I am afraid and I'm going to do it anyway. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, thanks for coming back. This is Moira Gorski calling, so calling, <laughs> checking in with you one more time. I make so many phone calls. Can you tell that? But I'm glad that you're checking back in and listening to the podcast. Um, I um, have brought another one of my friends uh, to talk with us today. And um, I really wanted to bring Jada on today because we've been connected through a mutual friend. And as we had conversations during this last year and a half, I just thought they were really great conversations that we should be ha- recording so that everybody else can can listen to them too. I mean, Jada's background is she is a physician's assistant. She's kind of a big deal. She's a physician's assistant. Um, she's a licensed professional therapist. You are. I think you are. Um, she's shaking her head. Um, she is a personal trainer. Um, she's just a great gal who speaks the truth and really just has a do- desire to help other people. That unique combination of all of that that training and life life training really makes her a wonderful um, gift to others uh, and helping them through their challenges in life. And so we want to talk today about choices, about fears, about limiting ourselves and, you know, what we can do so that we don't limit ourselves and so that we can, you know, live our best life. And um, so before I go any further, Jada, thanks for joining me today with this on this discussion. Well, Maura, thank you so much. And gosh, what an introduction that you make me sound like a big deal. <laughs> so, um, you know, I really appreciate that. And and I resonate so much with the things that you do. And we have had, you're right, conversations about wellness and, and life and living your best life. And that's actually one of the catchphrases on my website is live your best life. And I, I'm, I'm passionate about that. And um, for sure, that's that's a message that we both share and, and resonate with. So thank you for the work that you do as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Have you always had that? Um, you know, I like I we talk many times about people's stories and their past and their background that has led them to where they're at today. And um, so with you, have you had always that desire to kind of be in the in the helping profession, was there a reason for that? Anything that kind of spurred on that interest early in your life? Or how is, how is that, how's your past kind of brought you to today? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've i always been an athlete, but what my dad was a coach. My dad was a coach and a teacher. And like many kids, I wanted to emulate, you know, my parents. And so um my dad was a huge influence on my life and 
I think that early on, I, I mean, I, I started running. Now, let's be honest. I started running because I wanted to get into a pair of really cool <laughs> uh, acid wash jeans when I was in high school. Goal. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to start running because I, I really want these jeans. Um, but it became such a love of mine that I, I never really stopped to that. I started running when I was 16 and I, I literally have never stopped. I think, honestly, athletics has been a vehicle and a tool for helping me push past fears and limiters. And so uh, early on, I was always really passionate about moving your body and exercise, and I saw that it was a vehicle for me, and then I ended up getting a, a, a scholarship to run in college, and so I thought, well, not only is it, like, really awesome that I got into those jeans, but now I'm getting, like, money, and so <laughs> it became, like, another, uh, you know, verification that, you know, this is a tool that actually helps you get things in life. And so, you know, that was always a part of my life, but I always wanted to help people. Um, I really wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. And my dad was like, well, that's great. But, you know, I think maybe you should be a doctor. And I was like, what? <laughs> So, of course, not wanting to disappoint him, um, you know, I, I thought that that's what I wanted to be. And I, I, I went that direction. But then I realized that really wasn't my calling. Um, but I loved the healthcare field. And I loved the idea of helping in a big way. And I, I decided not to go the medical school route. And I kind of for a year just kind of... Worked and and thought about life, and I, I ran into my very first physician assistant, and I was like, "Wow, that that's what I want to do. I want to do what you do." And so that relit my passion. I went back to school, got my uh, PA degree, and then um, started working in the healthcare field in in family practice. Loved it, loved it. Then started having babies, and then I stepped out for many many years. But when I was in family practice, I saw a lot of mental health come through the door. And it, it's interesting because part of that stigma still hangs around, which is people are afraid to talk about mental health. So I would see on my schedule like sore throat. And so I would go in and, and I, I would say, oh, hello, so-and-so. So you have a sore throat. And they would start talking and then they would burst into tears. And then I would realize, well, they have a sore throat because they've been crying for two weeks. And they're sad and they're depressed. And I really felt like I couldn't help them because I had 15 minute slot. It's primary care. I, uh, you know, so I ended up seeing so many people with mental health issues that I had to just send on. And I really never liked that. So when eventually my kids were older and I stepped back into the workforce, I went back and got a master's as a therapist because I wanted to have that piece too. I didn't want to just send people on their way. I felt like I wanted to help more. And it was actually in graduate school that the, the, the idea for soul via soul, the wellness company that I have, that's the online um, program. I created that in grad school. I was like, if I could do anything, I had to create like my perfect company, but I called it soul to soul but I like the via that has more like life into it. And so 
when COVID hit and all of a sudden the ground started becoming not so solid, that's when I, you know, decided to kind of face my fears. This is a very long way to answer your question. <laughs> um, to to finally jump and live my best life, which is, you know, I want to live in line with my values. And, you know, fear, fear of failing, fear of not being good enough, fear of, of, of um, just not being successful, I think, can keep so many people stuck in um, unhealthy relationships, in uh, toxic work environments, toxic relationships, and that fear of not being good enough or what if people laugh at me or what if I fail can can limit us or it can be a spur to say, well, I am afraid and I'm going to do it anyway. Or what's the worst that can happen? So I do fail, but some of the best lessons in life are when we don't succeed. So, you know, that leaning into the hard points of life are where growth happens. So facing your fears is a way that we grow. It's the only way we grow. If we stay stagnant, we don't ever push through and potentially live our best life because fear is always going to be there, but we always have the choice to say, "Mm, yes, I see you fear and I'm going to go on past you. Right. You know. And I, and I remember reaching out to you in uh, I think it was February of last year, right? Or yeah, right. And um because I was or whenever that was. It's just hard sometimes <laughs> with this covid. I don't know when it yeah, was. I don't even know when it was, but it was when I did my my dance competition and mm-hmm. and I was sitting in the hotel and I was listening to one of your videos that you did to talk about this soul via soul and this idea of pushing fast past your fears. And I just had to reach out. I think I might've called you even from there and said, <laughs> let's talk because I had just done something that was just that I was so afraid of, like I was encouraged by my dance partner and my coach to enter this competition. And I was so afraid and it taught me so much about like the way I show up and I'm a wellness coach. I'm a business coach for a mentor, other, you know, women to have their own wellness business. And I'm always talking about push past your fear, push past your fear. Well, there I was faced with my own fears and faced with that. Okay. What am I going to do? Am I going to talk? Am I going to walk the walk? Am I just going to talk the talk or am I going to walk the walk? And so I decided to walk through, as my friend said, just walk through the door, like Mm -hmm. go through the door of that fear. And boy, Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from all of that. And, um, and many of us, all of us, I mean, we get faced with those things that we're afraid of, but I know that when I walked through that fear, when I walked onto that dance floor and I made all kinds of mistakes and I had all kinds of red light stories going on in my head that I just wasn't good enough. And boy, I didn't really. And, you know, my, um, my dance partner said, could you just look at the good that you did? Like you <laughs> are great. You are awesome. Yeah. You're not perfect, but nobody is, but look at what you accomplished, you know? Yeah. And, um, like you said, the world started to, you know, besides the dance competition, the world in the last 
18 months or however long it's been has just started to feel very unstable. Like you said, it's been rocky underneath our feet. And so, and it doesn't feel like we can control that. And, you know, regardless if there's a pandemic or not, you know, we all get to a place in our lives like, okay, so we want something different, but how are we going to get there? Often it's that we have to make a change that, but we're afraid of that. Right. For sure. And, and I love that the, the way you faced your fear was through uh, physical, physical expression. And that, that's, that's the, the underpinning of Sylvia. So, and, and, and you speak to exactly what, what I went through when I did my first Ironman. And that was, um, I was, I, I had a thought, and I think we all do this. I remember um, I was injured running and I started doing a spin class because I had to move my body somehow. And someone said to me, oh, all you have to do is add a swim and you can do a triathlon. And I said, I can't do that. And I said that out loud. And someone's like, well, why not? And I was like, because I can't. And I just said it. I just said it to the universe. I can't. And then I, I, I sat with that for a little bit and I thought, wait a second, why can't I? I can learn how to swim. I know I'm 30, whatever at the time, but I can do, I can learn how to swim. So I took swimming lessons at 30, whatever. And so um, I started, I started from the very beginning. And I remember it was through moving my body that actually gave me the courage to challenge my limiting thoughts. And I thought, hmm, well, that's interesting. So I did a baby triathlon. I did a sprint and then I thought, well, I actually did do it. So what else in my life am I saying to myself, I can't do, or I'm afraid to do. And then, so it was through racing. It was through um, doing triathlons that actually opened up and created that opening for me to walk through and face my fears, just like you walking through the door on the dance floor it was me signing up for a race, putting my toe on the line and hearing go. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, but then you go and right. then you do it and then you get done and you go, well, look at that. I didn't think I could swim, but I did. I didn't think I could do a triathlon. And now I've done, you know, a sprint, an Olympic, a half Ironman. I wonder if I could do a full Ironman. Well, now that's just crazy talk. And then I heard myself going, you can't do that. And then I thought, well, why not? And so it was through deciding that I was going to start using exercise as my tool. So I would run 10 miles and then I would go, oh my gosh, I, I had never done that before. And then I would run 12 and then I would run 18. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you know, I did it. And so every time I broke through a barrier in a physical way, it created an opening in my mind to say, what else do you think you cannot do that you need to now question? What, what if we said, I can't and replace that with what if, mm -hmm. what if? Yeah. And it's so, it's so powerful because as I've learned and kind of what you said, the way that you do one thing is the way you do everything. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the listeners have heard that before. I think I've said it on this, but you know, that's very true. The way that you do one thing, i.e. running is the way that you do everything. So if you're stopping yourself there, where else are you stopping yourself? I mean, I've taken a dance flow therapy different than kind of my dance lessons for a, uh, a gentleman who's a great dancer, been a wonderful instructor, but he does a little bit more of the emotional connection. And as we've danced a couple of times and he said, just step your just step your foot back a little bit, you know, when you come here to this move. And then I kept doing it. And I stood, he goes, just step. And I take the little <laughs> step. He goes, see how that is. And he said, you know, and then he's like, so where else can you just, do you need to maybe just step forward, right? Or take yeah. a little step. It's those type of things that, and I've said that before on this podcast. And I've talked about my, I recorded a podcast after my dance competition and um, of what I learned. And, um, it's just a metaphor for life and my dancing is, and it seems like that's what you found with your racing and your running. And it's interesting that we're doing this today. It's not, there's no coincidence, Uh, but this recording today, because this morning, I don't know if you've checked social media yet, but I went to a yoga class um, at the sports center and um, it was just my girlfriend and I, and we did a great class. And then she's let's go do headstands. I go, no, I can't do a headstand. I said, I wish I could, but I can't do a headstand. And it was just the two of us. She So she could give me really undivided attention. And I did it. She helped me the first time. And then the second time I kicked up to a headstand. And I was like, she took a picture of me. I was like, same thing. I like got down. I was like, that was awesome. Like you said, like, what else can I do? Like, I never thought I could do that, yeah. but I did. And it's that. Well, first of all, that's super awesome. Yeah. Congratulations! On- <laughs> it is. Yeah, I was. I was very pleased with myself. <laughs> I must say, as you should be. Well, I think it's harder again. So, as a as the therapist part of me, um, you know, in my kind of like my my downtown Wheaton business, the integrated health and wellness. It's it's more of a holistic psychiatry practice and. And I like to bring in all the elements of wellness. We talk about nutrition, we talk about exercise, we talk about self-care, and we talk about medication. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's the, it's all of it. It's all encompassing because I feel like that's the best practice is to really look at a person wholly. Um, and and you know, I'm I don't just push medicines. It's let's tell me about your life. Let me get to know who you are and what are your stress points and pain points and let's work through those. And one of the things as a therapist is sometimes it's difficult to talk about moving, you know, obstacles in your mind or limiters in your mind. But if I say to someone, I want you to go for a walk. Now that's kind of easy because people can go, Oh, I can do that. And so you go for that walk and then you go, okay, so now I want you to maybe try meditation or try going for a swim or whatever. We're going to move our body in some way. And so once you start to see progress in one area, that's when you can come in and say, okay, so you didn't think you could walk every day for two weeks, but you've done it. So now where else are you, you know, let's talk about those relationships that you're afraid to walk away from. Let's talk about those, um, places that you want to walk to in your life you want to walk to something a different job or you know you didn't think you could walk two weeks in a row and you did it so maybe the possibility exists that you can actually create an opening 
to make a movement in another part of your life. So often I'll use moving our bodies as as a metaphor, exactly, and as a tool to get people to see that sometimes if you just create an opening in one aspect of your life, it will create openings uh, for bigger changes that are you know, sometimes what drives people in to come see me is like they're 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 frustrated or they're sad or they want to make movement in some direction, but they're scared. Sometimes starting with the body is a way to get people to create openings in their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's very fascinating. Um, there's a there's a book that's we may there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. I mean, that's more kind of about trauma and how things get stored in the mm-hmm. body and things like that. But Um, but I also like, if I talk about that dance gentleman, like that's what he talks about is that there are emotions kind of stuck in those areas. And if you can dance, if you can feel through that, if you can, again, push yourself through that, um, you can, again, you can, I don't know the, the right word of getting rid of that pain or getting rid of the trauma, you know, there is healing there. And, um, and it was interesting. There was one time when I watched a, um, I just want to say this because I thought about it. I watched like, you know, an Iron Man, like the whole, the Kona one on TV or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there was some awesome female athlete being interviewed. And she talked about, um, you know, they were saying, you know, how did you do it type of thing, in a you know, roundabout way kind of, but there was, she's like, you have to get in tuned with suffering. Like this isn't, and I thought it was interesting to think about it because like, I mean, like you, like I've never done an, an Iron Man, and um, that's how we know each other through our mutual friend who's an, who's an Iron Man too, but I've done a marathon and I never thought I could do that. And there is a bit of like, you go run five miles or if I, well, these days, five miles is a little tough for me because I've gotten away from it, but it's not that, it's not that bad. There's not too much suffering, but to get through a a marathon. I mean, there's quite a bit of mental mm-hmm. work there and suffering, if you will. And, um, and I assume when you're out there going 12, 13 hours and whatever you're doing, the craziness of an Ironman, there is that suffering that, and I think that that's kind of good to note in, in this discussion is, you know, life isn't perfect, right. And life isn't beautiful and serene and all flat. There is a point that we do have suffering, we do have pain. And yet, as we've said, but then what are you going to choose to do with that? Are we going to choose to sit in that suffering? Or are we going to choose to notice, you know, yeah, I am suffering, I am in pain, what's going on? Like you said, what's going on here? Tell me what's going on in your life. And then I want something different. So like, what can I do to make a change so that I can get past that suffering or not have that suffering control me, which is kind of what we've talked about too, with this last year and a half or whatever, like we feel like we're controlled by all of these like things. Well, but what can we control? What choices can we make to get ourselves outside of that, you know, past that suffering? For sure. And, and, and you're right on, you know, emotions coming through us and, um, And again, sometimes, especially with anxiety, you know, our thoughts can jumble around in our head or a lot of people can get GI issues and stomach upset and a lot of GI issues associated with anxiety. And often moving your body is a, is a, 
catharsis for the emotions to leave. Like it becomes a way out. So I, I do tell that to all of, of my patients is that, you know, movement is, is medicine. It creates, um, it creates a, a flow for the emotions to travel through you. Otherwise they get stuck in there. And if they don't have a way out, then they sometimes go inward and they cause all kinds of diseases and, and all sorts of, of issues, again, often with the GI system, because that's associated with our, our mental health, the gut-brain axis and our gut um, microbiome. But it can be a way to really let emotions flow through you, um, and it can be absolutely part of the healing process. And and human nature, to, to speak to that suffering, you know, human nature is that we tend to avoid suffering. <laughs> we, we generally shy away. We want to back away from something that seems uh, like it's going to be hurtful or painful or our human nature is that we, we back away from it. But um, I have a saying, there's two things that I often will say, and that's we need to lean into the hard points of life. When we lean into the hard points, that's where the lessons are going to be. That's where we learn the most about ourselves. And, and speaking to the suffering of Iron Man, uh, to me, that's where we get that, that past the suffering, there's something else that comes alive. And that is, I think, the, a glimpse of the human spirit. And it's when you think you have gone as far as you can go, you keep going and there's something on the other side of that. And that's, that's the hard part is that yes, that there is suffering, but if you keep leaning into that hardness and leaning into it, there's something on the other side that's better. And we just have to push through it. And that, that's what's hard is that we have to know that the pain doesn't last. It's like childbirth. You know, we know it's going to hurt, but there's something good on the other side. <laughs> so, you know, you keep going. You can't stop halfway and go, uh-uh. <laughs> right. right, yeah. It's done. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, as as you do and as I do in our, our businesses, like sometimes we need a coach. Sometimes we need someone to assist us to go. Just sometimes I need my friend Karen to help me flip my legs up and get closer <laughs> to the wall, you know, which I was way far away. And, you know, she just made some adjustments, gave me that guidance and that encouragement. And there I was able to do it. And so Excellent. I think that's the important thing too, is sometimes people can listen to this or they, oh, I can't do it. Well, then find somebody to help you. If it's a friend, if it's a trained professional, you know, if it's a coach, you know, if it's your partner, you know, share what you're going through but then go get some help. And that's the hard part, right? I mean, we're also, we don't like to ask for help. And that's part of the whole stigma of mental, mental health in this country is we have to pretend everything's perfect. I mean, and we're such a high driven society, you know, everyone's go, go, go. And, and you can't just take a pause to like be, and that's, not really encouraged or cultivated. And I think we're seeing the results of that now. COVID gave everybody extra time, right? And and all of a sudden people were finding really pretty awesome ways to utilize that time. And now there's this mass exodus. I was just reading, you know, from the workforce as people are like, yeah, this doesn't fit me anymore. I want more balance. I want more 
flexibility. I want more time. And I think that that's hopefully it also opens the door for people to say, and I want more balance in my life. And I'm, I am out of shape and I am stressed out and I'm going to seek the services of a coach or a therapist, or I need some medication or whatever to restore that balance and, and get their life back on track. And, and the great thing is there's people like you and me and lots of us out there who are passionate about this. And, and I love hearing, gosh, I'm so much, I feel so much better or I'm sleeping now, or I am, I'm happy and motivated again. I mean, that there is no better blessing than to give to people and see them make positive changes in their life. That's, um, that's a beautiful thing. And I'm glad that I'm, I'm being able to be in that position to help people for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, people will go away on a trip or they'll go on a retreat or they'll, you know, in order to, you know, have that time, like you said, like we all all of a sudden had this extra time. And so often that's what people will do. They'll go on a vacation, they'll go, they'll pay for some retreat and it gives them some time to really reflect on their life and really what's going on. And then they can decide to make some changes. But yeah, that's what happened with COVID. A lot of us were sitting around with extra time thinking, wait a minute, like, really, is this what I like doing? And I think it's been really exciting to watch some people and yourself included start new things, start new businesses. I started a podcast during the time, you know, and I started ballroom dancing and people have, I've been talking to more and more people about, just like you said, women who have left the workforce. It just doesn't work for them anymore, but they do want to have something with purpose, with meaning so that they can help themselves while they help other people. And so, you know, that's who I coach and who I love to talk with nurses that want to be on their own. Again, I think you, I didn't know if you use the words, but freedom, that flexibility, like having your own, like controlling what you can control, like you can control how, who you work for and what you do. And like you said, the, the choices that you make with walking or eating or, you know, those type of things, it's a, it's can be an exciting time for some people are like, they really got thrown off and went into this negative hole. But what we're here to say is that there is a great opportunity for, to reflect and then really think, what do you want out of your life to make it the best life that you can? Yeah. And, and it, for some change is really difficult. I mean, I didn't think I would be starting a company when I'm 50 years old, (laughs) Um, but it, 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 you know, I think that being able to have the ability to, to push past those fears, like we've been talking about and really putting yourself out there. That's when, when you're on the edge of, of fear, when you're right on the edge of, wow, this could go either way. That's when I feel a lot of people feel the most alive. Like when you're, you're really at the edge of what you are capable of doing. And I think that that's where a lot of people are. And there's, there's definitely, um, that comes with some, some anxieties that comes with 
with some depression, you know, too, like realizing this isn't what I want to do, or this isn't the life I want, or wow, I really am not happy. I don't know what to do. And, um, and I think we're seeing for sure. I, I, I know that mental health issues have been, um, definitely on the rise and people are struggling in big ways. I mean, I do, obviously we, we, we know that. And, services like what we provide are absolutely needed right now. And I think that there's also a segment of the population that's completely shaking things up and they're really ready for brand new. And because I think the pandemic and and the world kind of turned upside down, it, it kind of shook every, all, everything to the core and it came back to, you know, what do you value? And and are you living a life that's following the things that you value? And for me, that was really a turning point was, you know, realizing that I, I wanted to serve a bigger base. I wanted to do it my way. And, and that's scary, but it also provided a bigger platform to help more people. And I think that that, you know, that's a blessing, but it's also uh, terrifying. But you you do move through it and you get to the other side and you realize, okay, we made it. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, so I think I was because I was going to ask you if you have like, like top, you know, like three things that you if somebody's, um, again, kind of in this state of insecurity, if you will, or, you know, maybe three things that you're always kind of counseling your, your clients about. And I mean, I love that first one, like, you know, find what you do value and are you doing things today? Does that fit into what you, what you're passionate about, what your values are Um, to do some good um, exploration of that, I think is a great first step. Yeah. So like, what do I tell people like that come in to see me like at the integrated health and wellness, like that, that business. Um, so one of the, I think my top three that I really emphasize, and this is again, more of the holistic perspective of psychiatry is I always talk about how people, uh, number one, are you exercising? We know that exercise is, is proven to help with, mental health, mood, depression, anxiety, cognition, memory. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm not making that up. Like it's been proven and there's lots of research to support that. Um, The second thing we talk about, which is kind of a a somewhat new and exciting area is gut health and nutrition. I'm really, um, and everyone who knows that they come in to see me, they know I'm going to ask about that. There's supplements that I have people take. There are, um, and then we always talk about nutrition and I try to educate about the gut biome and the importance of a healthy diet as being the cornerstone for mental health. And that's not something that I have found most providers in mental health talk about. And it's paramount. And there's mounting, mounting research now about the importance of the gut biome. And what most people don't know is that most of the serotonin and norepinephrine and, and uh, the neurochemicals our brain needs to function well are actually manufactured in our gut. 
And to take it even on a, a, a bigger level, it's manufactured by the bacteria that live in our gut. And so what we eat is vastly important to how we feel. And the great thing about that is we have control over our diets. And so I always talk about pre and probiotics and a healthy diet and a healthy gut biome and uh, the difference between good and bad, you know, gut bacteria and how we can shift that with just a few changes with our diet and how important that is to mental health. And then um, I always talk about self-care. So those are the big three, exercise, nutrition, and then we talk about self-care. And, you know, self-care gets tossed around a lot. And, you know, it's, I actually have, I, in my Sylvia Soul program, I call it soul development. Because self-care is kind of fluffy sometimes. And like, oh, I'm taking a self-care day, I'm getting pedicure. And that's great. Go do it. I mean, you know, that's awesome. But I want to take it deeper, like soul care. So I actually use the word soul care because I really want to emphasize that this nurtures and feeds our soul. So for me, you know, my practice is all about mind, body, spirit, and, and we're, it's connected and unified and we have to integrate all three of those. And so soul care is really about honoring that spirit part of us and um, doing things like, and again, I hate to use the word, when I use the word meditation, it conjures up different, people have different images of that. So mindfulness, I like to use the term mindfulness or just pausing, slowing down, being, being okay with the stillness and, and cultivating that, that level of care for our soul on a daily basis too. So it's what you eat, how you move your body. And how are you taking care of your soul? And that is, um, that goes into everyone's ear who comes to see. <laughs> They're like, oh God, I gotta go see Jada. She's gonna ask me if I'm exercising. I better start moving. I know she's gonna ask me about my diet. I know she's gonna ask me about my self-care and my soul development. What am I, you know, so, um, but it is, it's, it, it's why all my appointments with my you know, people in at my integrated health and wellness, they're all half an hour or longer because it takes time to talk mm -hmm. to someone and really help them. And so it's not an in and out. It's, you know, sit and tell me about what's going on in your life. Like for reals, let's get down to it. And I think that that soul development is something that people need some, a little bit of help with. They need a little bit of uh, like coaching or some assistance because we don't really value that as much in this culture and um, it, we need to. And I think if we put a little more emphasis on that, you know, soul care, what I like to call it, our mental health would be better and people would be happier if they had time to just pause. And it's in those quiet, still moments that that's when the create creativity comes. That's when inspiration comes. That's when we do align with our values or we even think about what do I value? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you have to you have to quiet the mind in order to get the answers to some of life's big questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't agree with that more. I mean, that has been key for me the last uh, several years along with, you know, exercise and, and diet too. But that's, I love that that's soul care because it really is more than just 
you know, you know, getting your nails done or your hair done or, <laughs> you know, or taking a bath or something like that. Right. But it is that, um, you know, I've created a morning routine, which most mornings I do. And if it's, it is that being quiet and meditating some, but I like what you said, because people do, you say meditation and people have all kinds of ideas of, oh, the big, you know, the Buddha, you know, right. to like, oh, and the uh, ohm, and you have to hold your fingers a certain right, way right. and stuff like that. You got to sit on a pillow to, and it really can be just so, I mean, it can be that, right. If you want to go there or you can sit outside in your lawn chair for 10 minutes, like I did the other morning and I listened to the birds and I just closed my eyes and I made, take, took some breaths. And I thought about what I wanted to create that day. You know, even if it was just a, you know, a calm day or a day full of possibilities or whatever the case is, it can be something as simple as that. Um, I just, this week, I just finished my journal. So that's, um, out now for, uh, for sale and for people to, um, you know, for me to share with others, because that's been a big part of my journey too. taking when I'm quiet and I have those thoughts, like writing them down someplace or not having, they're not really sure what your thoughts are, but starting to write them down. And then the thoughts come and come. And then you're like, wow, I, like you said, you're, you get creative as you start to write those thoughts and feelings down on paper. And before you know it, it's really, it's really neat what can happen as you start to journal. So that part is so, so important for all of us. So I love those. I love those three tips. And I'm glad that you continue, you know, with those <laughs> to keep saying them. Um, let's, um, let's continue our conversation another time. I mean, we have, we always have wonderful things to talk about and I love the time that we spend together. Um, and I love this today. Um, and we're both on a schedule. So um, let's wrap it up by just telling people where they can find you. You do have, again, a program that people can access online. So if they're not here in the same town that we live in, um, they can still have access to you or they can come see you locally here. So let the listeners know where they can find you. Sure. First of all, I love that morning routine, by the way. I just have to say that. And sitting in nature is like, that is healing. That is like mm -hmm. my number one go-to. Um, so my in Wheaton, if you're in Wheaton locally, I have a business integrated health and wellness. I'm on Main Street and you can find that at integratedhealthandwellness.org, O-R-G. And that's my um, holistic psychiatry practice where I do medication management, counseling, things like that. Um, my online wellness program, which to your point, anybody can do from anywhere, is soul via soul. So that's S-O-U-L via V-I-A S-O-L-E. So we get to our soul, our S-O-U-L, through our soles of our feet. So soul via soul. And that's soul via soul.com. And I do have um, four-week and eight-week wellness programs um, available right now. I am developing some other things too. Uh, but that's what I have right now. So that's how you can access me if you're looking to connect with me. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And it'll be all in the show notes. So you can click through and uh, look at the show notes too. But um, thank you for joining me today. Any last words of things that perhaps um, you want to share that we didn't get to or um, that you'd like the listeners to hear? Oh, gosh. Well, hmm. I think I would say, um, you know, just what we started with, with fears is that we all have limiters. We all have things that we think we can't do or things that keep us stuck. 
um, and um, nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's true. And I'm uh, this week. I did a headstand, and I <laughs> and I signed up for another dance competition. So well, yay! yay. <laughs> so trying not to be and trying to go into it a little bit differently now than you know with what I've learned through the first, which is again a great message. Like we push past our fears, we learn things, and then we can we can do other things with that knowledge of what we learned as we push past the fear. So absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for joining me today, Jada. It was great, great to have, have a discussion with you and um, we'll see you around town for sure. Um, and again, listeners, thanks again for listening, coming back again. We hope this was a value to you as we all, as Jada and I say, we just want you to live your best life and here to provide you with that hope and that encouragement that is that you can do it. If you need some help, reach out to either one of us or someone that you know, that's a trusted friend or professional to get the hope, uh, you know, get the help and the assistance and the encouragement that you need. Um, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review, share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook. So head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know, as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.